Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from the Southern California foothills town of Glendora, California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead lost people to Jesus, building a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you, opens your heart, and shows you how to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Happy Easter. This is a real life version 3.0, I think we're on. And if you're here for the first time this morning, I'm Jim and I'm your pastor. It's great to be with you. You know, I, I'm just amazed at the fact that this church has allowed us together to live the story of the scriptures. I mean, there are times in sermons where I use object lessons, where I'll bring something up on the stage that helps illustrate a point that I'm talking about, something from the Bible that kind of comes out through, a, through an object. And so there was a time a couple of years ago in one of our sermons early on as a church where I preached an entire sermon on a teeter-totter. Uh, I was on top. John Virgo was on the other end. He's a little bigger than I am. And so I was on the top, and I preached a whole sermon from the end of a teeter-totter about living a balanced life. And then there was a Halloween where I preached a whole sermon dressed head-to-toe in a suit of armor and talked about the spiritual battles that we live through as Christians. But honestly, at real life, you are the object lesson. I mean, you, you have lived the stories of the scriptures in ways that few people ever do. Our, our church has over and over again experienced exactly what the people of the Bible went through. The, we read a year ago about the, the Exodus in a time where God's people left a land in search of hope and a home. And we ourselves experienced this, this process of an exodus and going out in hopes that we would find something. We, we preached stories about people going through the desert and looking for something to call their own, not sure what was next. And we've been in a school with a clock ticking down to a time where we needed to move out, not being sure what was happening. And here we are. I mean, in that season, we... we read stories about God causing bread to fall from the heaven and feed people when they needed it. And we've experienced over and over again God providing for us in ways that were a total surprise to us. Um, I remember uh, the story about there's a, a, a family in the congregation that called me and said, um, hey, uh, we want to pay for a couple of kids at church to go to camp. So if there are a couple of kids who can't afford to go to camp, we'll pay for it. And that night there was a family in the church whose house was robbed. And the thieves took some cash that that family had set aside to pay for camp. And they called us the next day to tell us that it happened and just say, pray for us. And they said, we don't want you to pay for us. We know you're saving money for a new building, so we don't want you to pay for our camp. Well, of course, we were going to pay for their way to camp. But God had already provided for it. I mean, before it was even gone, God had provided somebody who was going to take care of the need to make sure that those kids got to go to camp. I, I remember we were reading stories about God speaking directly to people, and we ourselves in the life of real life have experienced God speaking directly to people in the life of our church. I will never forget Tim's story about how one day um, he, he was uh, in church and he just needed to, needed to hear from God, and there was this song that hit him about how God never fails us. And then on the way home, on the way home in the car, the song came on the radio. And he heard it again. And right then he pulled out his phone. And on his phone he had gotten a text from a friend who went to another church who had texted him the lyrics to that same song and told him, God told me, you needed this today. This is for you. 
And it was exactly what Tim needed to hear at exactly the time he needed to hear it. There are all kinds of churches out there that use object lessons to explain the stories of the scriptures. And real life, you are the object lesson. You're living the stories of the scriptures in ways that few people ever get to do. And it is, it is just amazing to me. And how appropriate that that would lead us today to today to the story of Easter. Because the story of Easter is a story of resurrection. And we are a church of resurrections. We're a church that began with what was a dream that looked like it might not survive. And the dream has resurrected. And over and over again, as, as lives have changed and people have chosen to follow Jesus, we see resurrection. We're baptizing 16 or 17 people today. There were people who came forward at the last service who did, we didn't even know were coming who stepped forward to be baptized. And every single story of somebody choosing to follow Jesus is a story of resurrection, a story of God getting inside our lives and washing away the old and bringing us to the new. Baptism itself is this beautiful object lesson of death and resurrection. As the person descends into the water, it's like Jesus descending into the tomb. And as the person rises from the water, it's like Jesus rising to new life on Easter. And so I can't tell you how much this church has done for my faith. I mean, you would figure as a pastor, I would have this figured out by now. But as a pastor, I'm still growing in faith. And every time I wonder... Every time I'm not sure, every time I worry, God just keeps showing up. We love a God who, who is a God of surprises, and he just keeps showing up. And he did it again recently. Um, I told you all, when we were moving into this building, we needed to raise uh, enough money to put, uh, you know, there was a beautiful orange carpet in the old church here, and it smelled like beautiful orange carpet. And, and we needed to move in and get the room ready and get the classrooms ready, put new lights in. And we told you it was going to cost at least $160,000, maybe up to $250,000 to make it work. The problem was, I didn't tell you this behind the scenes, the board had to decide how much we were going to spend before we could get the pledge cards in because we had to start ordering things so that they would be here in time for us to have Easter services. So the board had to, on faith, step forward and say, here's the number we think that God will provide for us. Don't spend more than this number. This is what we think it's going to to do. And they said, that's $185,000. That's, go ahead, order the things you need to order, put the lights in, get the TVs ready, do everything you need to do. $185,000. Be wise, be good stewards. Let's see what happens. And as of today, you all have pledged and given $200,000 to this campaign. It was exactly what we needed. It was, it was exactly what we needed. And now the rooms are beautiful. If you walk through later, the rooms are beautiful. The courtyard is gorgeous. The, uh, the students have a beautiful lounge. And the orange carpet has gone to heaven. <laughs> or hell. I mean, you know, I have a feeling Satan woke up this morning and was like, this place, I didn't think this place could get any worse. Where did this come from? <laughs> And so I got to say, I got to say a deep thank you to our board who is discerning and prayerful and who thought through that and who prayed over what God would provide for us. And God knew exactly what we needed and exactly what would be provided. Uh, a deep word of thanks to our staff who have been working 12 and 14 hours days to get this place ready day after day after day. And, and I'm looking out at, at a sea of faces that I've seen here in recent days working and cleaning toilets and sweeping floors and doing everything it took to get uh, this place ready. And so thank you to all of you who have volunteered to make that happen and given generously to our campaign and cared for this church. Wow, this church is just, just so good for my faith. And I hope it's good for your faith too, honestly. I hope, I hope not just that you hear me talk about faith. I hope you experience faith in a real way, in a surprising way, in a living way. Because we worship the God who likes to show up. 
We worship a God of surprises who likes to show up. I mean, Easter was the best surprise of all. God actually walked the earth. It was the best surprise of all. But it's not the last one. He's still a God who likes to show up and surprise us. So how appropriate that that's what we get to celebrate on Easter morning. Open in your Bibles with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 24, and we are going to uh, uh, read together the story of Easter. And i gotta, I got to stop and take a minute and say a word uh, to some other people. Uh, this is, this is uh, the first time we've ever done this. We're worshiping in two rooms together simultaneously this morning. You all are over here in the sanctuary. There's a congregation gathered in the chapel, and we are worshiping in two rooms this morning. It, it reminded us that back at, um, at Vision Day in September, I think it was, we said, so the vision for this year, the mission for this year is every one of us is going to love one person enough to introduce them to Jesus. Everybody's going to love one person enough to introduce them to Jesus. And if we all do that in the next year, in the next year, we will double. And personally, I walked up and down this street this week, knocked on every single door on this block and gave them cookies and said, hey, we're the church with cookies. And... Uh, <laughs> And I hope you're loving at least one person enough to introduce them to Jesus. So I said, I said back in September, if we all do this, the church will double. Well, look at this. Physically, we have literally doubled. We are now in two worship spaces at the same time. God knew what I was talking about when I did not. And uh, so everybody, take a minute, turn around to the camera and say hi to the people in the chapel. Hi, chapel. Good to see you over there. Worshiping with us. We'll see you in the courtyard afterwards for baptisms. So how exciting. Um, okay, so, so, so God... God is a God of surprises. God is a God who shows up and surprises us. And this is how he did it uh, 2,000 years ago. Uh, God, Jesus of Nazareth, walked the earth, and then he was crucified. And on Easter Sunday, he rose from the dead. And here it is in Luke chapter 24 at verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. He's talking about the nail holes. Have you ever been around somebody who wanted to show you their scar and brag about their scar or got a new tattoo and they wanted to brag about their tattoo? Jesus is the guy who's like, oh yeah, you see nothing. Look at this, right? So look at the, the scars uh, in my hands and my feet. And then he says, it is I myself. Uh, but what he says is actually cooler than that. In, in Greek, he says, ego eimi. Everybody say, ego eimi. Good. Now you're a Greek scholar, right? He said, ego eimi. And what that was literally is, I am. And it's important that we translate it that way because when he said, I am, everybody would have recognized the phrase. Like this is a reprise. This is a throwback to something he said before. Uh, you, have, um, you have in your family like a little catchphrase that one of the kids said years ago and it was cute so it stuck with you or something grandma used to say so everybody still says it. When you say it, everybody knows that's grandma's phrase. You have something like that? I see the giggling over here. You do, don't you? Yeah, but I can tell from the giggling it's something you don't want to say in church. Is that right? No, we have that in my family too, so that's cool. I, um, we have one in my family where um, my daughter, when she was three years old, uh, three years old, was having a bad day. And so she, at the age of three, declared, this is the worst life ever. Right? With all of her worldly wisdom at the age of three. And so after that, anytime any of us doesn't get what we want, we go, this is the worst life ever. And when we say it, we all know that it's a reference back to when my daughter was three years old. Well, when Jesus says, I am, it's a throwback to something he said before. I am the resurrection. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the bread of life. I am the vine. He said this over and over again, I am, I am, I am, I am. So when he shows up, they don't believe it. They think he's a ghost. And he goes, no, 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 look at, look at, the, 
uh, the holes in my hands and my feet. And they still don't believe it. He goes, no, 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 guys, I am. And that's his way of saying, don't remember me saying that? Uh, and on top of that, it's a throwback to something even older than that, something that came before Jesus. Because Jesus gets the phrase, I am, from God speaking out of the burning bush to Moses. Right? God said to Moses, go and tell Pharaoh, set my people free. Let my people go. Set my people free. And Moses says to God, who am I? Like, what should I tell, who should I tell them sent me? And God out of the burning bush says, I am. Tell them I am sent you. And so when Jesus says, I am, he's identifying himself with God. This is what he would be crucified for. He claimed identity with God, I am. And he says it over and over and over again. I am, I am, I am. And, and the Jewish leaders of his day hated that. And they said, no, you're not. No human being gets to identify himself with God. No, you're not. And they handed him over to the Romans. And the Romans said, they think you're going to be king, but you're not a king. No, you're not. And they put a crown of thorns on his head. And they put a purple robe of, on his shoulders to make fun of him. And they crucified him. And that was the Romans' final way of saying, no, you're not. You're not God. You're not the king. Well, here's Jesus, post-crucifixion. And he says, excuse me. This is his, this is his, in your face, I told you so. Who's got the last laugh now? Oh, yes, I am. We worship a God who conquers life and death and appears again to his disciples because he loves to see them surprised. And so now he's back. And he says, touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Now, at this point, I think he's just kind of desperate. <laughs> like, he shows up again. They don't think it's him. He shows them nail holes in his hands. They don't think it's him. He goes, I am. It's a phrase he used all the time. They still don't think it's him. And he's like, well, give me something to eat, I guess. I'm just, uh, give me some fish, because ghosts don't eat fish. Ghosts are vegetarians. That's why they're so pale. <laughs> it's okay. You can be vegetarian. But, but he's, I think he's just desperate at this point. Just give me some fish and I'll show you I'm not a ghost. But now listen, look at this. At a, at a deeper level, this is an important thing he's doing right here. What he's saying is, you have to decide, am I real or am I a ghost? Because that question is at the heart of all human life. The question of life is, is Jesus real or is he a ghost? Because some people live like he's a real thing. And some people live like, you know, it's just like a, it's a cute ghost story. You tell it to the kids. You remember it at the holidays because it's cute. Christmas and Easter, you know, you do that thing. And it's sweet. And you pull it out of the box now and then. And then you put it away because it's just a story. Well, listen, this is a make or break decision. The question of life is, is Jesus real or is he a ghost? Is he an apparition? Because if he's real, everything is different. If he's real, God has walked the earth. If he's real, the dead are raised and there is a life to come. If he's real, at those moments where your life is broken and wrecked and your marriage is gone or you've you're been fired from your job or your health is deteriorating, if everything that you dreamed of has fallen apart and you think that you are lost, if Jesus is real, you are still in the hands of a God who loves you and who loves to bring beauty out of the ashes. 
You are never lost if God is real. But if he's a ghost, if he's an apparition, if this is just an old story, then at those moments where your life is broken, it is broken, and there is no one there to heal it. In those moments where you feel lonely and rejected, there's no one there to speak his love into your life. If God is not real, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Life is a bubble afloat on the sea of nothingness. And you're going to die. And your family's going to die. And your friends are going to die. And eventually the whole universe will die a heat death and there will be no one left to remember it. And it will have meant nothing. If Jesus' tomb is still sealed, then the tomb of the universe is sealed. So he shows up and he says, listen, this is important. I am not a ghost. I am. And that question shapes all the rest of life. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. That's our Old Testament. When he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures, he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Pay attention to this. The early church was built on the, the God who loves surprises and who kept showing up. The early church was built not just on the story of God showing up and rising from the dead, but on the miracles that then continued to happen among those who believed. The disciples continued to work miracles of healing, miracles of speaking in languages that they had not studied, uh, hearing voices and visions of God speaking directly to them, and so many baptisms. The early church gathered around a God who kept showing up because he is a God who loves surprises. That's how the early church was built. And that's how our church ought to be built today. I mean, there, there are churches out there right now trying to do all sorts of different things this morning to try to make the church go. There are churches all across our landscape who are banking everything on the pastor doing a good job today so that people come back next week. Please, pastor, be funny and be engaging so they like you and they come back next week. That's not happening at this church. <laughs> My kids have already told me that I'm not as funny as I think I am. Now, if we had to bank everything on the pastor being handsome, we might have a chance at this church, but not on being funny and engaging. There are, yeah, they booed me in the last service. <laughs> there, are, there are people all across the country, churches all across the country today that are banking everything on the worship team being great. And there are worship bands that have recorded albums and are putting out music and everybody sings their songs and they think if only the music is great, then people will come back next week. What if instead of all that, we bank everything on the power of God who still shows up. What if we put everything on the fact that God's love is still so surprising, so amazing that people can't resist it? I mean, what if we put all our eggs in that basket on this Easter morning? That's how the early church was built, and that's how God wants to build our church today. We worship a God who loves surprises, and he shows up again and again and again. Don't settle for believing in a God who created the universe way back when and just let it go. A God that you just pull out of the box on the holidays to remember. What a waste of time. 
If you commit yourself to Jesus, you will see miracles in your life like we have seen at Real Life Church in the last couple of years. God wants to show up in amazing and surprising ways in your life here and now. Don't let it go by. We worship a God who loves surprises. And uh, just a couple weeks ago, I was uh, presiding at the, the graveside service for my mother-in-law who passed away. And uh, at the, the service, I said, um, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us a lot about heaven. Uh, I wish it told us more, actually, because when I go on vacation, I read all about the place that I'm going on vacation. You know, if I'm going to be there a couple weeks, I want to know all about it. I kind of would like to know more about the place I'm going to spend eternity. But the Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot. And I've always wondered about that. I think I figured out why it is, though. It's like something that happens around my house at Christmas time. Around Christmas time, we set up a tree in the living room and we put packages under the tree so the kids will get excited. But sometimes, late at night, if we're, if we're up, we'll hear little footsteps going down the stairs and across the living room floor. And then we'll hear the slightest ripping of paper under the tree. And when we go downstairs, the packages are not open, but there are holes in them just big enough that a kid can put their eye down there and see what's inside. So I, I tried to stop them from doing that because I want to see the looks on their faces on Christmas morning when they open their presents. So a couple of years ago, I built a perimeter alarm around the tree, and that was a good idea. That worked really good. When their alarm's going off in the middle of the night, they changed their behavior. And, um, and I think that's it. I think that's it. I think the reason God has not told us more about heaven is that he wants to see the looks on our faces when we get there. Because we worship a God who loves surprises. And he wants to surprise you. He wants to show up in your life and surprise you. Let's make sure we all understand this. If you're visiting today, if you don't know this story before, let's make sure we all understand this. This is the story of the Christian faith. God created the world in the beginning with purpose and intention and meaning and love. And then we broke it. He put it in our hands. We broke it. We, we broke it in the way we rejected him, the way we mistreat each other. You and I broke it individually and we broke it corp corporately as a species. The world is broken. But instead of condemning us or instead of rejecting us and walking away and starting with some other planet, God came down here as one of us, as Jesus of Nazareth and walked on the earth. And he did that so that we would know him and so that we could see his love and know how to live and know how to be reconciled to our God. And then he died on the cross and when he did, somehow mysteriously, everything you and I have ever done wrong got what it deserved on the cross. And so if you've got anything that just kind of weighs on your shoulder, something that you feel guilty for, something that you've carried around, go hang it on the cross and walk away from it. God's not going to hold it against you. When you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, God's not going to go hold it against you. Go place it on the cross and leave it behind. That's the purpose of the cross. And then Jesus rose from the dead so that he could show us that even death is in his hands. And when you believe in him, when you put your life in his hands, he shows up in real ways in your life. And so after the service today, we're going to celebrate the fact that God is still showing up, the, God, the fact that God is still bringing the dead back to life and working surprises in people's lives. We've got, uh, I think, a dozen baptisms after this service in our courtyard out here. And, and after the service, I'm going to invite you out here. We're going to sing a couple songs first. Then I'm going to invite you out here to the courtyard uh, to celebrate baptism. But let me, let me put this on your heart. If you've come to the place in your life now where you've decided to follow Jesus, where you get it, the story is yours now. It's not just something that you heard from your parents, not just something that you, you heard from your church, but you really believe. 
Maybe today is the day you should be baptized. You can be baptized today after the service. You don't have to have prepared for it. Don't worry about your clothes. We've got a T-shirt that we'll give you. It's yours to keep. The, the baptismal is warm, so don't worry about that. And we've got towels. So, so we're set. If you decide today, today is the day you want to commit yourself to Jesus and follow after him and be baptized, you can be baptized after this service. Just talk to God for a minute. Pray, for God, pray, pray to God and ask him to speak to you and see what he puts on your heart. This is the only question. Do you want to trust in the power of the God who loves you and still wants to surprise you? He absolutely cherishes you. He absolutely cares for you. Nothing's ever going to change that. Put your heart in his hands. Why would you do anything else? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that by your spirit, you touch hearts and call people to yourself. Touch those in this room, anybody here who is worried or anxious, anyone here who carries guilt on their shoulders, God, take that away. Remind us that the cross is for us, that you died for us, and that we don't have to carry our sins with us anymore. Wash those away and call us to new life. And if there's anybody here who's ready to be baptized, place that on their hearts now. God, we we want to be your people. We want to be a people of love and a people of surprises in this world. So empower us to follow after you. You're a good God, and we trust you. So thank you for living for us. Thank you for dying for us. And thank you for the surprise of Easter. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Instagram or Facebook at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.